Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Gen. Nope, international it is. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England zone, Van Helsing. With me all the way across the pond from the land of the Red Dragon is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Good afternoon, Ron. How are you? Well, it's evening, isn't it? Well, not for you. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, isn't it? Whatever. We always go UK because this is international show. You know this, so, you know, yeah, you know this gold standard stuff. I've been thinking about that over the last few weeks, and you know, it's actually quite sad that I'm a gold standard in ghost hunting because that's what I, I agree hundred percent. Yeah, because using common sense and good methods have made me the gold standard, which indicates that the rest of the paranormal community need to, you know, anybody could be the gold standard. You just have to do the job properly. And it's sad that I've been singled out as the gold standard. I actually like that idea because it's an easy, attainable gold to be gold. So, I mean, I, I like is, that. Yeah. A, yeah, It is a very... Easy yep. at, uh, attainable goal because yep. we just need a platform. Just, just by using common sense, by using good practice, then you can be the gold standard in ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you want to be the platinum standard, you of course could be like Van Helsink, but that's another story for another time. Yeah. But anyways, let's, uh, let's go. No, let's go there. Go where? Let's discuss the platinum standard. What does that involve? The platinum standard is perhaps the most uh, intriguing uh, standard in ghost hunting, and that is a person who is skeptical but is not afraid to tread on ground uh, where rational-minded people uh, fear to tread. We're so, the glass yeah. world now, aren't we? Oh, all, all things. I mean, if you're going to look at paranormal, you have to look. If you have somebody out there who are chasing ghosts by picking their nose, then you have to look at that and say, hey, is there any truth or, or validity to picking your nose in ghost hunting? So, uh, you know, there you go. Okay. I, I, I bow to your higher standards then. Mm, so there you go. Anyways, I understand that uh, you have been uh, trancing about or tromping about uh, Pembroke Castle again. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I've spent the last a very interesting uh, three days uh, helping a friend and uh, a gentleman we've had on the show before, uh, Dylan Jones. He was wanting to make a documentary, a short documentary that looked at, well, why am I telling you? Because Dylan sat alongside me. Uh, he just put the camera down because even as we speak, we're still filming this damn documentary. 
Uh, so, Dylan, uh, good evening. And why are we filming this damn documentary? Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. How are you? Wow, that was pretty intense. <laughs> really, that's how you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's been. It's actually been really good. Um, we're still filming it because I'm. I'm trailing the gold standard in ghost hunting to see how it's done properly. And I'm learning from the platinum standard. Well, no, it's the platinum standard is, is you know way beyond his wisdom. Is way beyond me, a model man. Anyways, um, you know what's interesting, though, and, and I was thinking about that. You were talking – Steve was just talking about you sticking the camera in his face while he was talking and everything. And uh, recently the Japanese were over here doing a uh, documentary on the platinum standard of ghost hunting, and it was the same way. I mean I, I have a little uh, storage room uh, – not even a storage room. It's, it's behind my bookcases here in my office where I keep my equipment, as, as Steve knows. And uh, it, we're getting ready for a ghost hunt, and every time I went into that little tiny space, there was a cameraman there followed me right in. I mean there was absolutely no room for more than one person in there, but he was in there. And every time I went in, he followed me in, followed me out, followed me in, followed me out. And – even during the investigation, it was the same way. So uh, I, I had someone uh, who wasn't with the team, uh, but I needed her on this particular investigation, and she was a little intimidated by it. But there are, there are somebody, some people who can deal with uh, you know, a camera stuck on them all the time, but uh, other people can't. Uh, how do you deal with it, Steve? I mean, is it just you totally ignore it, or are you cognizant the camera's there? I mean – how does it affect you? I think you have to do both uh, because I think you have to be very aware that the camera is there and also that the, that the, the, the documentary maker, the program maker, has needs and that you have to meet those needs. They have uh, a story that they're telling, you know, even, even documentary, and that you have, to, you have to meet those needs and satisfy the questions, the story that they're telling, but at the same time not be you know, not make the camera the centre of, of, of your world. There are, uh, over the last three days, we, we've done bits where I'm talking to myself or talking to, you know, a member of staff or a member of the public from, from Pembroke Castle or addressing the camera directly. Um, what's been very challenging and very interesting and, and a great experience for me um, is the premise for this documentary was quite unique in that, uh, there was no voiceover and there was no narrator. Uh, really? So, so in most documentaries, because you know you've got to find a way of introducing the topic, introducing the person, and introducing what they're doing uh, by way of a narrator, a voiceover, um, or even a presenter. But in this instance, uh, we had to find a, a way that, that we had. To, you know, who, is, who is Steve? What is he doing? Why is he at Pembroke Castle doing what he's doing without all of these usual props and supports that documentary users, uh, documentaries use? So it's been quite a challenge, hasn't it, Bill? It's been a, a big challenge because when I first was, was, was set the, the task for this particular module uh, and this production, one of the first things you naturally think of is, right, I, I've got to narrate this. I'm the person who's going to hang all this together. Uh, and now I can't. Uh, I have to find a way, a, a device, and that device being Steve, uh, who is the one to be able to actually hang it all together. So it's been it's been quite challenging. Also, in in terms of when when 
when you're trying to answer a question, you've actually got to ask the question. Uh, you can't just give an answer or a response. You actually have to um, find a way of letting the viewer understand what the question is. So you've got to sort of ask the question of yourself and then answer it in a way that doesn't look like you're, <laughs> you're interviewing yourself. So it's, been, it's actually been a really positive experience. Can't wait for him to go home. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, in, in, in a way, I find that um, in paranormal, when I do, for instance, anything to do with uh, the spiritualism uh, aspect of reference, and like dowsing, or, or uh, well, even even in some of the others, well, mostly dowsing, and in, in some of the others, more spiritualist stuff. You ask the question. Someone else in the in the room might ask that question, but you repeat that question, and you know you, you dows for it. So, in other words, it, the, the connection is between you and spirit, and not just everybody in the room and spirit. Uh, so, I, it's kind of if you do that, then it, it kind of works. You know, it's just natural in in reality. Uh, but I, I assume it'd be more difficult for you since you don't do any of those uh, spiritualist things really mm-hmm. no you i i you owe it to all to all of the to both of our listeners to to correct yourself <laughs> really you, I, uh, i've never seen it you with the dowels or with the uh pendulum in your hand or a, or a glass under your I'm, finger I'm, or, a, or a ouija board I'm under not, your tongue I, I and i hope and i hope that you never will um but for you to say that I have no interest or understanding of spiritualism, is, I think, is a, is a little bit misleading because, uh-huh. as we both know, uh, I have a deep fascination and respect for spiritualism and mm-hmm. those who have a spiritualist belief. And one of the things that we, we, we talked about earlier during the documentary was belief um, and methods that people use, uh, this idea that people, you know, some people use Ouija, Boards, other people use crystals as a means of uh, of uh, exploring the paranormal. Well, yeah, we can, we can demonstrate, we can show, and we can say that um, what we're dealing with here is is perhaps idiomotor, um, micro muscle control of the devices. We know uh, from Faraday's work back in the eighteen fifties that that people tip tables and people push planchettes, and that spiritualists have always countered by saying that well. Yes, we understand that we push them, but the spirit is acting through us. We are we are simply the, the motor, but mm-hmm. spirit is the driving force. Now, we can't test those beliefs. We can't test that claim, uh, uh, and we have to accept. You, you ask me a question, or, or you ask. We try to uh, answer a question. We three. You know, one of the most important uh, things about being an investigator: somebody phones you up and says, "My house is haunted." And I responded with, well, the first thing, uh, rule one, believe what they're saying. Rule two, be completely open to all of the possibilities. And rule three, question everything. Mm-hmm. So I I would so, never yeah. dismiss any practice. I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, you, I, I, I believe in those three rules. I think that's, that's very good. Uh, and, you know, I, uh, that's why you're the gold standard. But the thing is, as I said at the start of the show, it's it's actually quite sad. It's a sad indictment of psychical research that I am the gold, or I'm considered, or was perceived by the Wall Street Journal to be the gold standard. Because mm-hmm. what I do is actually 
really straightforward. It's really simple. It's a method that's really well understood by people. You know, if you're going to examine something, then it should be examined critically, fairly, um, without prejudice and without bias. And yet they don't. They, 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 people go along and they get ghost meter pros out and they talk to them without ever considering what they're really doing and what the other possibilities are. Yes, except the possibility that spirit might be speaking to you through through a device, but also question the probability that they're speaking to you through the device and the mechanisms by which that might be taking place. They seem to suspend belief and lay all that aside in the desire to have the experience. And, you know, when people go on a ghost hunt, uh, people go on a ghost hunt because they want to have an experience. And I think that they do lay, I think they do suspend belief, and I think they set aside their judgment in the desire to have their experience. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting is that uh, we were talking in Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition uh, about uh, this, again, is, is more leaning towards the spiritualism, but it, it can be just a simple experience as well, is that we found uh, Roxy's worker and, and myself in, in uh, discussion found that many times you'll have somebody who is absolutely a skeptic or, or claims to be a skeptic and they, they want nothing to do with anything. They might be there just because their wife dragged them. And then something happens, uh, as, you know, some profound experience uh, happens to them. And sometimes they they won't even accept it. And then another t- other times they're totally shaking by it. So it's interesting that some of these people uh, are the ones who seem to be targeted more for these types of experiences well, where people going in looking for it sometimes uh, in the right frame of mind uh, get nothing. And then, of course, there are the people that believe that everything is paranormal will get an experience, of course. So you have those like, three distinct things that happen on a, a ghost hunt, I think. You do, uh, but you, you get... People are, people are human and people are frail, and because somebody says that they're sceptical and poo-poo's something, their, their level of boggle, um, the level at which they would tip from scepticism into belief might actually be quite low for that individual. Somebody, you know, there are, there are people out there who they wouldn't it was a ghost uh, under any circumstances you could nail bits of their anatomy to, 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 to wooden doors before they would admit that the paranormal was a possibility there are others who claim to be sceptical and, and say that they are you know they don't believe in any of this but the, the, the threshold at which they tip is set very much lower um, you know <clears throat> for some people no amount of proof is sufficient for other people. The tiniest yeah, amount yeah. of proof is all the way over. So I don't think you can rely on skeptics turning into believers as any as any sort of milestone marker of the event. However, what's very interesting is that a uh, through the annals of psychical research, you have a number of uh, clear skeptics who approach the subject in an objective sceptical manner, and I'm talking about Sir Oliver Lodge, William Barrett, William Crooks, early you know, pioneers and leading 
scientists of their day who said that there was something to study, but they didn't believe it was um, spiritual. They believed it had a normal explanation. And they spent 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years studying these phenomena in depth using all of their critical faculties and all of their um, uh, education and all of their uh, experience to study the phenomena. And in the majority of cases, they came down on the side of a spiritualist argument. And many of them became became, um, vociferous proponents of spiritualism and the spiritual explanation. That's very interesting. Uh, you know, I'm curious about the, the, the gold standards belief in, in, in this type of thing. For instance, uh, if the gold standard was witnessing, witnessing glass swirling in a Pembroke class, castle, for instance, <laughs> would he just dismiss it as entertainment? Or would he really look at the information that was gathered and see if there was any validity from it? Well, the gold Standard has witnessed glass swirling on many occasions and automatic writing, planchette writing, and and indeed has witnessed it at Pembroke Castle. Um, and on every occasion that I've witnessed glass swirling, um, I've always approached it in exactly the same way. What I'm looking for is, is there something that's, some information that's coming through, that, that is coming through or is awkward um, often it's it's rambling, it's inane, it, it's it's random letters, it's stuff that everybody could could easily access. You know, mm-hmm. what's the name of the, the built Pembroke Castle? And if it said William Marshall, well, I wouldn't really be surprised because everybody in Pembrokeshire knows that, actually, except the medium the night that did it. Of course, um, there we go. But you do get sometimes odd bits of information that, that are awkward and don't sit comfortably and can't be easily explained away or or dismissed. And I think, you know, any sensible researcher would, you know, wouldn't be naive and stupid enough to dismiss them and to say that that's, you know, clearly, you know, something, you know, it's clearly interesting. And I've always said that psychics and mediums and spiritualist practices, of course, do have a role within, within, psychical research within spontaneous case investigation but why should it be given more credibility because somebody comes along and says oh i'm a psychic and i'm sensing something (laughs) people sit up and take more notice than somebody else who says i just don't like it here i feel uncomfortable here so what we've always done is said yeah pay attention to what the psychic is saying but don't pay too much attention to what the psychic is saying record and document document what they're saying and record and document what everybody else is saying and experiencing and give it exactly the same weight. Allow it to form part of the picture. Um, you know, you've got groups who are led by psychics and the psychic, in, look at most haunted, um, you know, they follow the medium around and they hang on the medium's every word like it's you know the unequivocal truth, and they they pay scant regard to actually testing what the, what the medium is saying. They follow the direction of the medium. He's over there if he's a bad, and they all go rushing off into the corner. Um, and yet, you know, there are groups who have resident mediums. The groups that have resident skeptics are, are a lot scarcer. 
And I think, you know, we're all human beings and we're all able to have these interesting, unusual human experiences, mm-hmm. regardless of how we label ourselves. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the interesting thing. For some reason, if you're a medium, you, you draw a, a greater aurora around you or, or a greater attraction to people. And, and yeah. you and I were talking about this when you were when you were over here, you know, when a medium medium could do a dinner and it'll be sold out in, in like two seconds. But if a ghost hunter does a, a, a dinner, it's it's not, a you know, it might sell out, but it might it'll take longer for sure. Yeah, and the medium, of course, gets paid a damn side more. Um, but the, the fa- fa- well, no, I mean, the fact of the matter is, when people, when, when a medium um, offers their services to the public, uh, they're exploiting a basic weakness in, 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 in all of us, that we want to know that we survived death, that those that went before us are okay and that they're preparing the way for us. You know, we're, we have this sort of, what's that barrier that we call death? Do we get past it, you know, intact? The medium offers them that opportunity. When people go on a ghost hunt um, or go to a to a, a dining with the dead with a medium, I think the vast majority of people there are actually hoping for a personal reading, a personal message, and they're willing to pay good money for it. Mm-hmm. What can a ghost hunter offer them? Uh, well, a ghost hunter can offer them you know, some EMF readings, some, some squeaky voices from a broken radio, uh, a photograph with maybe a circle drawn around a blurry image. Yeah. You know, that's not a personal message Don't get the from, from a loved one. Yeah, it's not a message from, you know, it's not a personally directed message from a loved one. Mm-hmm. So I think the medium has the advantage in, 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 in that they are delivering what the public actually want. The ghost hunters are can't do that. We can't. I can't prove an existence of an afterlife. I can't. In fact, I can't. nobody can. I believe, Steve. To be honest nobody with you. Uh, but a lot of people believe that psychics can. A lot of psychics believe that psychics can. Spiritualism is based on that. On uh, that's that's the entire premise of, of spiritualism that right. we do survive death and the the the, the dead can communicate with the living. Um, and Kirsten has just disagreed in the chat room and said that some of us don't care about the afterlife. Um, some of us just have a really freaky experiences and they wonder why. Yeah, I, I, I was being a little bit disingenuous, Kirsten, you know, sort of blanket you? covering yeah. everybody, but I did cover the majority. Um, I, it's fair, it's safe to say that the majority of people. Uh, go to a medium for those reasons. And I would counter with, well, people do have some very strange experiences, but I don't think mediums actually explore those experiences. I actually think that's down to the, in terms of haunted houses, that's the ghost hunter. Um, other other of these unusual experiences are explored by uh, paranthropology, parapsychology you know because there are these interesting human experiences freaky experiences that we do want to understand and i don't think that mediums really are offering an explanation uh, they're not really you know no. they're not seeking an explanation as i mentioned before, before the many times a medium yeah. is merely another tool in the toolbox. It's, it's you know, it's what they do. And the, the other thing is you can't really, I mean, a medium to me, uh, unless you're de- totally deceitful as a medium, most me- mediums believe 
what they are telling you. That is their reality. So it, I can't say that that's not their reality because it is. Uh, to them, it, it's real. Uh, so that's the difficult part. There are, there are, you know, countless, uh, very well documented uh, mediums who are, they know full well that they're not being mediums and that what they, you know, that they are out to deceive. Yeah, I said, I excluded those if you... But, but I, 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 I have met and I know countless mediums whom I respect and have a great deal of time for. Um, who genuinely believe in what they're doing and that they're doing it with every good intent. And I have no, no, I have no desire to, to debunk them. I have no, no wish to, 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 to tell people to ignore them. You know, there are people, there are people who go out of their way to, to, de- to try to debunk mediums and to, to defame them. Why? Why? Because, these people have deeply held beliefs that you know that that they subscribe to, and I think they're entitled to that. And I think people are entitled to to hear their point of view. And I think people are entitled to subscribe to that point of view. And if people want to go to a medium, if people want to pay money to go to a medium and communicate with their loved ones or, or get messages from somebody who genuinely believes that they're passing the messages on, think. All power to them. That's you know, they're adults. They can make those decisions for themselves, and it certainly doesn't come down to me to turn around and go, "Oh, well, that medium could be fraudulent." That's, that's not how it works. But however, if a medium was was, was obviously defrauding and using tricks to obtain money, like possibly the Long Island medium and others, uh, I think wow. that any you have proof of that. I think, yeah, I think any human being, I don't think you have to be a ghost hunter or a parapsychologist or a skeptic, I think any rational human being would sink them straight away and should sink them straight away. Interesting. Uh, Kristen says that uh, a lot of mediums are just restating something that they read someplace. That's not necessarily true. I mean, I've worked with a lot of mediums that, are, that they feel are genuine and they don't believe they don't. Now, that doesn't mean subconsciously they haven't read something and that has come true. Uh, but I, I don't think at least the ones that I work with would – ever uh do that and just restating it and they want to know as little bit little of about the place or where we're going to go or whatever or, or people or whatever is possible and that they have to in order to work with me because i i really don't allow that so anyways we're just about out of time coming up and you know mediums are an interesting breed that's for sure um i think mediums are Steve, you break up, you're breaking up on us sometimes. I just want to make you aware of that as we go into the break. But anyways, um, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet, Planet Paranormal, Pararex, and wherever else it's played, including, uh, what was that, Crackle TV, that radio? Radio Crackle. Radio Crackle. We'll be right back after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky. The Parax family. The shows are paranormal. Not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Kolop, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Benford Hall, the Downton Abbey of Venice. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. To tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. On Toginet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tune-in app. I'll catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. One day we're going to, we're going to have to explore the question of the American obsession with tea from a nation that drinks coffee out of paper cups wherever it goes. But you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International, the live edition, not the podcast or the... Well, obviously, you listen to it. It's not the live edition, is it? And uh, we were discussing uh, whether mediums should be done rare or well done before the break, uh, and whilst making... And the, the facets of making documentaries, because the platinum standard of, gold, of ghost hunting is the bad housing. Um, recently made a documentary with Japanese television and I, as we speak, have a camera shoved into my face and uh, I'm making a documentary here in the UK about the, the lesser gold standard in ghost hunting. 
So um, let's 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 um, let's interrogate our guest a little bit because our guest tonight uh, sort of turned the tables on our guest on on the documentary mate and turned him into a radio show guest. But Dylan, you're also heavily involved in radio because you were the one that was selling a radio station on Facebook last week. I was. And Ron wanted it desperately. Oh, I wanted it badly. If he was willing to pay, I would have shipped it over to him. So, you know, you're you're in radio and uh, we're on radio and you're guesting on radio and, you know, we're all right at this. You're not too bad, although if if you're willing to pay i'm i'm more than willing to, to devote my time to give you a few uh of course, a few lessons as it were should we hand over the airways five minutes to dylan yeah well, a few dicks. yeah go on right well, Airways yours thank you on, very much carry on. Um, oh, thank you thank you no I, the trouble is I, i'm used to working in commercial radio and well, community we can do radio. adverts we can do adverts if you want. yeah but i'm used to having songs that i can talk we in can and sing, sing. <laughs> steve i've heard you sing no <laughs> Ron, I'm sure you've got a lovely singing voice, so you might be okay. I don't think so. <laughs> but no, I, I'm used to having the comfort of... Actually, it's pretty on the hot spot here. Uh, you've, you've heard that we, we, we just came in from an ad break, mm. and it's Ghost Chronicles uh, International. Yeah. Um, with New England's very own Van Helsing and the old standard in Ghost Would you like to bring us back in? Show us how it's done. Bring us back in from memory. In five, four, four, three, two. He's gone bright red. One. You're listening to Gross Chronicles International with the gold standard in ghost setting, Steve Parsons, <laughs> and New England's very own Van Helsing, Ron Kolek. Oh, my God. That was good. But what's the gross standard? Yeah, I know. I love that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. That's my mouth. It's rather dry. I can do with another coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's funny? Look, you go, right. even the professionals throw it up from time to time. What hope have we amateurs got? When I first joined uh, Tojinet, uh, I actually came in on Skype as the goat standard in ghost hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Not the goat standard. Actually, go- goat hunter, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, amount of time. Um, well, parascience has been parasite. Um, people are goat hunting. Why, why do you have goats? I think I like radio. We were talking about uh, the difference. We've both been in front of a camera recently. We're both on the radio now. And I, I do enjoy radio because A, I can sit here in my lion onesie. And mm. I, I think I, I think it's, uh, it's a more natural medium. Would you agree? I mean, you work. Which is your preferred medium? Radio, without a shadow of a doubt. It's uh, it's all more personal, um, and it requires uh, for a listener, I think, to engage their imagination. Radio is theatre of the mind, and I think if you've got a, a really sort of um, engaging host like both of you, um, you can sit there and listen, and take it all in, and it provides something different. With a camera, you're sort of you're giving, you're telling people what you want them to see and think. Um, and you're putting, well, the person who's directing it is putting um, their slant on what you're doing. With radio, you're putting your slant on it. It's a lot more personal. So let me ask you this. I mean, people often criticize people who do radio and do TV and so forth, is that they're only in it for the money. 
and you know or the fame and and you know if they really cared about ghost hunting or, or whatever your your passion is you you wouldn't be doing it in the in the radio and tv what i mean what is your answer to that well steve i feel enough for having a, a good chat earlier on i think i think it's important that when you when you're involved in this kind of thing that you actually use the media to, to put across what it is that you're trying to do um, and if you're trying to showcase perhaps the correct way of doing something you have to engage with the media to try and get your point of view across um, the point of the documentary that I'm making at the moment is to highlight uh, the difference between what somebody does investigating things in professional capacity to how a lot of groups are actually doing it um, as a way of making money um, and the way that they go about you know, doing things. I, I was at a, an event on Friday night um, where we'd gone into the building before the public, had, the paying public had arrived, and the caretaker was showing uh, the events group around, and I was just there following, you know, with, with camera. And I noticed that the heating system was on at the time. Two hours later, when the public had come in, obviously the heating system had been switched off and they go into their event. And obviously the building in those two hours started to cool down and there's lots of noises happening, which the events leaders didn't actually think as a possible cause for um, the sounds that they were then attributing to something paranormal. And for me as a filmmaker then, to, <laughs> to say nothing was actually quite difficult. Um, so I'm trying to use the media as a way of highlighting you know, best practice and perhaps some of the, the failings as well. Do you find it easy to, when you're, when you're making, because we, we did a radio documentary a little while ago, do you find it easier, or you did a radio documentary that involved me a little while ago, and you interviewed Kieran and Cal Cooper. Uh, do you, are you able to hide behind the recording equipment? Does that give you a, 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 a sort of glass window on, on the proceedings you know, the, the, uh, through the viewfinder of the camera or from behind the microphone of the, of the uh, recording, sound recorder? Does that separate, does that allow you to take a step back from proceedings because, you know, you, you don't have this device? It does. Um, it's been more difficult this time with the camera um, because the camera, camera shows everything that's in front of you but the microphone doesn't the microphone picks up what you can hear um so yeah it is it is quite challenging hello i was just a single crack first yeah. <laughs> well i mean you were doing so good i didn't want to interrupt i was like uh you know is a thing called dead air? Not a good thing. Not a good thing. No, no it's, it would be in this. But it's good to have a little bit of dead air. It allows people to draw breath, and it also actually, allows us to have a actually, quick. Actually, it isn't. A lot of servers will uh, put in pro pre-programmed program if there becomes a certain amount of silence, and it'll just kick in and and uh, sort of result. You're you're you jumped out of the show. <laughs> I'm just reading through the chat rooms. Uh, which is why there's a little bit of dead air because I thought you were going to respond to Dylan whilst I was reading the chat rooms and apparently I've made somebody smile. Kirsten has just found, oh my God, an old episode of Most Haunted Live Online um, and it made her smile. Well, I'm glad I've, I'm, I'm glad I've made somebody laugh today. Um, and I'm glad that the... Do you know? Oh, Steve, that, you always make me laugh. 
I know I do my best. And it gives I you know. a little kick. Better, I, I, it gives the producer a attack. <laughs> you're, you're, like the, you're like my little son, you know, I, you always bring a smile to my face. Oh, I'm just like a, a, a nugget off the old, old yeah. of the gold thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, still yeah, still working, awesome. plodding awesome. around, trying to find the meaning of life. So Yeah. Well done, Nathan. You're absolutely right. It wasn't dead air, it was simply a pause from a dramatic effect. Yeah. Something like but, that. But yeah, most haunting you know, it, it, it still shows here in the UK and and apparently online. And we should have got repeat fees for that. It comes back to this idea of being very badly paid. Because you know, I I've been um uh, doing a, a series of uh, 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 sort of an AGM, an annual general meeting talk for a paranormal team in a few weeks' time, and then I'm over to Ireland uh, very early April to do some more stuff. And when you when you consider that, you know, when you uh, do a one-hour presentation um, for, for somebody, uh, that hour that they see you standing up and... and ex- uh, Performing, I suppose, is, is a fair word. Um, there is there is an immense amount of preparation. The thing that you're presenting has to be researched. It has to be the presentation has to be written. Uh, there's travelling time. There's a whole mass of things. I I remember reading time ago uh, that uh, somebody calculated that for every minute of a presentation, there is generally one hour of, of preparation. Um, and then you think that, then you think that, well, what's the minimum hourly wage in the UK? And you don't cut anywhere close to that. You even end up covering the expenses. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet, if you, you you couldn't ask a reasonable amount, a it probably would be unaffordable, and b there are there are countless others who would do it. Uh, for probably not much, you know. Uh, I always say you, get, you always say you get what you pay for, Steve. So uh, keep so, that in mind. But anyway, well, uh, yeah. going back to Dilling, uh, you well, know, you, you he got what he paid for. I've had what two cups of coffee and a Kit Kat, yeah. <clears throat> hey, five pound for a Kit Kat. That was for me. The wagon. Yeah, talk. Of, uh, of mistakes of uh, getting your pronunciation wrong, Steve was uh, very bad at that yesterday. In fact, the amount of retakes that we had to do um, in between Steve swearing at himself for messing the links up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a sight to behold. I'll have to send you the uh, footage, wrong. Oh, the outtakes. The outtakes. <laughs> there was one mispronunciation. And anyway, it was a Welsh word. And I looked it up when we got back. All oh, right. And Wogan is correct. Mm. Uh, I don't believe you. What's the worst word for cave? Don't no, no, mix this stuff up, Dylan. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. pay any attention to him. He can't be wrong, so he, he makes stuff up. He'll find some obscure little thing that, that might have sort of kind of sounds like it, and that'll be it. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Talking about that, what is you know what is the correct pronunciation uh, of any word? Because today is St. Patrick's Day, and um, you know, happy St. Padraig's Day to all of the. Well, in fact, everybody's Irish. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly over in England and around Boston, which has the highest number of Irish people in the world. Living in except for except for Liverpool, in the UK. Um, but 
I've, I've noticed a lot of people have uh, English people, British people, Irish people and American people all putting Happy St. Patrick's Day in uh, Irish, in Gaelic. And looking at spelling, it really? is, there's about 15 or 16 different versions of it. Ah, uh, that's uh, spelled differently. And also pronunciation, where I've heard it said several times. And in fact, I live in South of Wales now, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a relatively small country, and words that we understand down in South Wales uh, um, are not understood in North Wales or are said to be wrong. Wrong, You're saying it wrong, like Wogan and Wogan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But I didn't like. I didn't. Speaking of which, I did an online uh, English test this morning. Found it on Facebook about the the sort of language you use, and I I use receive pronunciation. Oh, yes. uh, uh, like Queen. And yeah. talk like Queen. Queen's English, excellent. Anyway, for St. Patrick's Day, I play my. Uh, I always post on my Facebook page, which is Ronald Kolick, and I accept anybody as long as you don't harass me, then I'll dump you. But, anyways, uh, I put my favorite news piece uh, of all time, and that, of course, is the report of the leprechaun in Mobile, Alabama. And if you haven't seen it, go on my web web page, and uh, I mean, not my my Facebook page, and check it out. I'll go into YouTube and put in Leprechaun in Alabama. I'm sure it'll show up there as well. And it is my favorite piece. Every time I watch that, and I, I put post it every year, I always laugh like a, a girl. Uh, so there you go. I know Dylan, sir. Boston, in and around Boston, does have a huge Irish contingent, doesn't it, Ron? Do you have, have you found that they've also imported some of the Irish folklore and, and the paranormal sort of mythology of Ireland? I, I don't know if it's imported or, or, or we have the same stuff here. I mean, it's hard to tell because, you know, uh, our country was originally, uh, you know, the Indians were running around here. And so we, we don't know what they're, how it compared. But I think uh, a lot of the folklore around the world might go by different names. But it, it's basically if you go down to the meat and potatoes of it, it's, it's the same uh, thing, really. Uh, a little bit different, but uh, the same in reality. So, so just take Bigfoot oh, yeah. and the Yeti and Sasquatch and all those uh, eight man. Yeah, we have Pukwudgie. There, there are other trolls. Which is the Basically, it's a trolls. It wouldn't, you know, they're trolls. Yeah, it's, no, it's a seriously cool name, Pukwudgie. We want Pukwudgie. We're going to start a campaign. Forget, forget the Conservatives and the Labour Party. May the 7th vote, vote to bring Pukwudgies into the United Kingdom. Out with Europe, in with the Pukwudgie. Pukwudgie party. I like it. Yeah. we got the Tea Party. <laughs> Yep, there you go. So there you go. But anyways, uh, going going back to Dylan, and Dylan, you you filmed a lot of uh, of uh, material and, and at ghost hunts, evidently, and as well. I mean, what are your thoughts on this when you see people taking part in these various experiments, uh, using meters or using uh, tables or, or whatever? I mean, what what are your thoughts, and what's going through your mind when you're actually recording some of this? Primarily to make sure that. I'm doing the job properly to start with because trying to get uh, 
over the last weekend, uh, last few days, I've been, a, I've been a lighting man, a cameraman, a sound man, and a director, and a cameraman. So I've, I've done the whole lot, uh, which has been quite difficult. But when I'm watching them... Um, I was the director. <laughs> he's got to interrupt. Um, it, it's been quite, quite interesting watching the reactions. So the event I was at Friday night, one of the first things that surprised me was that everybody who had turned up to get involved, the 20 of them, were all female. There was no male mm-hmm. uh, involvement in the evening at all, um, which would be quite interesting study in itself, whether or not perhaps women are more sort of inclined to want to get involved in, in this kind of Sunday uh, experience. They are. Um, and then it was the fact that the experiment they were, they were attempting, there was a lot of reliance on uh, the K2 meter um, with... Uh, uh, swinging some crystals, dowsing rods. Um, there's a rather cute teddy bear, a lot of flashing lights on it that I was intrigued by. Um, mm-hmm. And they also had a little device set up where there was a tripod on which were mounted two torches, um, different colour bulb in each one. Um, and what I found was that when the torch came on, um, the investigators were very much, oh, there's a spirit here, could you answer a question? And then when they asked it a series of questions, nothing ever happened. And yet when the light came on um, almost out of the blue, oh, thank you very much, you're with us, it would go off. And then they'd ask a lot of questions again, to which there was no response from the torch. Um, so for me as a filmmaker, to sort of just film it and not sort of bang my head against a wall and challenge it was quite, actually quite, quite difficult. So I'm not really sure whether what what to make of it at the moment. Okay, so I mean, do you do you believe that the people partaking in it are uh, believing in the experiences that that they're having? From, from the action of, of a lot of the women that were there, I, I think that a lot of them believe that what was going on for, for them was paranormal. Um, for me, uh, I, I wasn't convinced. So, oh, you're right. But, but then, I you mean, know, if, so was it? Was the, the thing wasn't Dylan. Was it more about them or more about you? Um, in, in what way? I mean, were you try, trying to be convinced, or, or or was it? I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to get this. I mean, they're the one that were participating. You basically the documenter. So, yeah. I mean, were you more thinking about what they were thinking or more just trying to put your own beliefs in it? Uh, no, I, I was just, obviously just simply filming it and getting as much footage as I can. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I was trying to think critically about what was going on as well. Uh, okay. Um, I didn't actually mention to anybody, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Because I didn't want to influence, I wasn't there to influence what was going on. I was purely there to, to get the footage that I needed. Um, but a lot of them seemed very willing to accept everything that happened, mm-hmm. uh, having some sort of paranormal explanation. And so, Dylan, I mean, when you, now, if you go back and you edit edit this piece, I mean, would you... When you edited it, were you strictly edited it as a, as a documentary, or were you you put a spin on it? In other words, were you put 
more of uh, your own beliefs into the, the documentary rather than the documentary speaking for itself? No, the documentary is very much going to speak for itself. Uh, you know, it, it's not for me to put my beliefs on, on it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the main, the main documentary is about uh, Steve investigating uh, like Pembroke Castle and, and the start of that process. Um, but it's not for me to put my beliefs on uh, on what what the footage is show. It can be very difficult. Um, I know that, that's yeah. the that's the job of that's the job of a filmmaker and a radio producer is, is not to put uh, you know not to put their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about it is that if you look at any of the, for instance, just the TV shows that are out there, and and they'll always be slanted one way or another because they might take the same evidence. Uh, Two people might actually take the same evidence and and look at it totally different ways. But because the show, for instance, is on ancient aliens, every every little uh, aspect of it will be slanted towards the ancient aliens evidence rather than other evidence that it could be. Uh, You know, it's, this is proof. This is, you know, evidence that, ancient aliens versus, you know, being more open and saying that, well, this could be ancient aliens or some believe blah blah. this is it. I mean, so it's, it's a difficult aspect, but I, I imagine if you're doing a show and you're, you're doing it from a particular point of view, then that's uh, what the show is going to be slanted towards. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to make something which, um, and just presenting, you know, it's as it were Steve's uh, Steve's story, Steve's narrative. Um, but it's not; it's then for the viewer to decide whether or not they accept what what Steve is saying. People are going to some people are going to agree with him. I don't care what they say. I'm right. <laughs> Love you, Steve. You know, the weird thing the show is you, but you will not believe. You've got the platinum standard and the gold standard. Believe you have to believe. And we've just discovered that here in the UK, uh, you can buy boxes of Lucky Charms in our big supermarkets at $9.50 a box. Not is that, three is that pounds or, or dollars? $9.50. I did the conversion Yeah. And it says we've got one minute till the bell, but we still have Cadbury chocolate. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, $3.50 a box for Lucky Charms. There you go. Come over here, bring them back with you. You know, take your, leave your clothes here, fill your suitcase full of Lucky Charms. Hey, when I when I went to America a couple of years ago, I tried to get as many um, bags of M and M's in my uh, suitcase as I possibly could. You don't have M and M's over there. We we only have the what, boring. Rockstar? We we only have, we only <laughs> have the boring peanut ones. We don't have the peanut butter and the uh, birthday cake well, ones. We do. The, the, well, only. Oh, but we don't get the rather nice m ms with the uh, little pretzels in and all Yes, those. we do. No, no, they were yeah, big we bags. So argumentative. Isn't he, isn't he, Dylan, you know, I don't know how you made that documentary. It must have been so difficult. Ugh. Do you want some m M&M and pretzels? Because the shop down the road sells <laughs> Ron, you, them. You, you how difficult it is. He's turned into a right diva these last few days. Oh, God, yeah. We mean His own dress room. Uh, yeah, no, 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 I've already said I want an Airstream. Because this oh, is the second three documentaries. Do three documentaries, I get an Airstream. 
Next so far, I've had two espressos and a Freddo Frog chocolate bar. Yeah. Mm. On a, do I do this for cheap or do I do this on the cheap? <laughs> <laughs> very cheap, but, but very good. But he'll only next time he'll only want uh, he'll want M and M's in his dressing room with only only green ones though. So you have to remove <laughs> all the other ones from the uh, the bunch. So, anyways, we're running out of time, and uh, it, it's been interesting. Uh, we looked at a lot of different points of view on different things, which is what the show is all about. And uh, we do ap- apologize for the little bit of uh, uh, audio problems. But anyway, anything else you'd like to add there, Mr. Uh, Goldstein and Ghost Hunting? I would only like to add that there are still places left for our, uh, for our Irish listeners if they want to get to Duncanon Fort on the 11th, I think, of April, where I'll be running a ghostology, a 14-hour ghostology training course, which is oh theory and practice. And um, that's what I'm up to then. Do you give free espresso when you give that? Be 14 hours, I'd be out of my, I'd be sleeping after the first two. I have to take my own. <laughs> Seriously, I have to take my own. 30 seconds. What about, what about, can anybody ever see this documentary? Yes, hopefully we'll get on Vimeo or YouTube. Hopefully not. We can see the, <laughs> see the outtakes. Uh, yeah, I'll put the outtakes up. I think we should have an outtakes channel. Oh, listen to him. He even wants the mistakes up there. God bless you. Anyways, time to wrap it up. So, till next time from uh, Goldstein and Goldstein and, and the most humble uh, Van Helsing. We'll see you next week. Good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.